This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Alex Charlings on the line. Alex, how are you, sir? I'm ready. Well, thanks. How are you? I am great. You are the founder and managing partner of Ross Selection, an executive search and selection firm that works only with private equity firms. And now that's really niching down. You, you've really picked a particular target. So tell us a little bit about the organization and, and why you launched it and why you, you narrowed your focus just with private equity. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, uh, so the organisation focus, as uh, as you mentioned, they're exclusively working with private equity firms. Uh, we do uh, two types of searches. One is for the actual P firms themselves, so the investment professionals within them, and secondly, we support their portfolio companies, uh, senior, mainly C-suite executives uh, appointments, uh, working across Europe and uh, and North America. So reason why I launched the business was a little bit driven through through frustration or probably a lot driven through frustration. I've worked for a, a fair few kind of search and executive search firms uh, across my career. And one, I didn't feel that the platform of the business was was particularly or the potential for the uh, for the platform wasn't uh, wasn't strong enough. Uh, the kind of executive search industry is very much a, a kind of burn and churn of, of people and uh, and the business that I've worked have not have offered a good enough platform uh, for people to come in and be successful. And secondly, is that also is we significantly missing out on a trick with regards to how to offer more to clientele and how to scour more of the market. The, 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 the search process seems to be missing at a lot of uh, executive search, ironically, without the name. It tends to be more of a who do you know, who's your network kind of process rather than actually scouring the market and actually going after an industry. And private equity industry is very niche with regards to how it operates uh, and very linear um, with regards to the type of people that it looks to attract and come into it. And being honest, it, it attracts the best out of the best because you put your money where your mouth is in some instances and uh, you have to build and grow a business over the next three to five years uh, and then take that business to an exit. And a lot of the time they're tripling or even more the uh, the revenue of the business. So it's a, it's a very high standard type industry. And, uh, and therefore, they need the very best people, and that's what we uh, we look to uh, to support them with. And many, many, many years ago, I worked for an executive search firm, so I, I completely can relate to what you're saying as far as the network, um, where especially if you in a CEO type of role, you know, oftentimes those roles are only in a particular position for you know, a couple of years, there's quite a bit of turnover once you get at, you know, the fortune 500 level companies, you know, many of those CEOs don't stick around too long because of different opportunities or just a misalignment and whatnot. So oftentimes I would see the recruiters, you know, bringing in, you know, they had their Rolodex, you know, before we had, you know, everything computerized, but they had the <laughs> Rolodex of their contacts. And those are the, those are the people they circled around and would place at different organizations. And, and what happens is, yes, you, you get to know the candidate and, and you're, you're placing well, but on the flip side, there might be some outside people that you're not aware of yet that could really transform that organization and, and of course, you know, create even more business for a search firm. So, you know, the work that you're doing uh, with RAW is important because 
you've decided, okay, this is an area that we know well. We know it because we were doing it. We saw what wasn't working and let's take this opportunity and create something that we know that will work. And when it comes to, you know, private equity, you know, even before COVID-19, you know, it's important that you have the right people in place to run these organizations. And even now with all of the uncertainty at the time of this recording, there's a lot of things that are up in the air as far as what's going to happen with, with equity, with, commercial real estate with businesses with economies it's it's up in the air so you need to have some really strong leadership in those roles and that's i think one of the you know key points of firms like yours that can you know, really make sure that when you're working with an organization that you're you're finding the top class and top talented individuals that can navigate through these completely uh, uncertain and uh, quite dynamic waters. Absolutely. It's about getting really into the market. And I know a lot of uh, firms talk about it, but they don't actually have the infrastructure behind them to be able to do it and the research capability to be able to pull up the detail. Um, and we've done, you know, we've done a lot about mapping already the, you know, before we even have conversations with clients on searches, we've already uh, positioned the portfolio companies within private equity firms and map them out. So as soon as we ha- get a search on, we can go directly to source of competing in similar type businesses with their senior executives. Um, as well as going into uh, various different other avenues as well. But it's it all comes down to the kind of risk level of hiring. And if you can get that person that's uh, as close to as possible um, with uh, zero to, to very little compromise that has the background, the track record, and you're not taking a risk on somebody who hasn't built a business that quickly or grown a business that fast. And it's just being able to go after a large amount of what in essence is a lot of data and process that data quickly to be able to uh, to get that data on the phone. And then uh, that data turns into a person and you have a conversation with them and, uh, and sell them uh, uh, the, uh, the, the, the opportunity and the position and, and uh, what the company's like looking to achieve. It sounds to me, you know, based on, you know, what I know about you and, and your firm and all of that, you are doing what I wish all search firms did and you know, is to truly have a good understanding of the organization's needs and also of the candidate's needs. I, I always see an imbalance. It tends to be more towards the company's needs and a lot of recruiters that I've dealt with in my life. Uh, there have been some that have been really good and there have been some that you could literally take the job posting and revamp your resume to match it word for word and they don't see it Um, and I know there's other reasons behind it but they don't a lot of times they don't want to spend the time with the candidate to really get to know the candidate and how how they are and what they make because oftentimes and I I know you've seen this too organizations will replace a, a key person and they will want the cloned exact version of that key person and that's it's a lost opportunity for organizations. Yes, there's certain key metrics that you want this role to hit and this individual, whoever they're bringing in to accomplish, but there's more than one way to do things and bringing in a fresh set of eyes, again, as long as it's not a hard shift, you know, one direction or another, unless the organization needs it. But normally they typically don't. They tend to be uh, very, let's keep the ship going in this particular direction, but we need to pivot here and there. When you 
don't give the candidates the opportunity to demonstrate those skills when you're meeting with them and understanding them. I, again, I think organizations lose out on some candidates and sometimes they may be taking candidates that aren't as good as the ones that uh, were literally right before their eyes. Absolutely. I couldn't agree, uh, couldn't agree more on that point, uh, 100%. So when you launched the business, and I always talk to people about this too, you know, what were some of the initial challenges that you faced when you decided, okay, let's, let's do this, launch this on our own and, and get out there? What were some of the things that you faced and how did you overcome them? It's, yeah, I mean, great question. I mean, a lot of it is uh, with any business is is, ca- is cash is king, uh, which has been uh, reticent by a lot of people and claimed as a quote by a lot of uh, individuals. But uh, uh, Riley said, so it's obviously putting capital back into the business, uh, obviously as quickly as possible, but equally uh, keeping the standards and everything else up, which is something we've done very well with. Uh, and wasn't re- it was a challenge probably in the in the initial weeks, but fortunately we uh, we won a couple of searches very early on and uh, and completed them uh, very quickly. So uh, that that really went away. I think one of the key things for for me was the making a transition from running a as we call it a desk uh, and building a, a, a to building a business um, and the different and the difference and the complex. I think when you haven't I don't mean to put business on on a pedestal because a lot of them don't deserve it. But when you actually haven't run a business, you don't appreciate the differences, the nuances and the, uh, you know, it could be anything that can just wipe out. I mean, the amount of times IT has, has wiped me out for a day trying to resolve issues, either be it in the team or with my own equipment, that you just don't appreciate when you are not running that business and you're involved in it. So very quickly had to learn how to really basically run a business, grow a business um, and develop it. Uh, building its out, its culture, uh, and really creating its own identity, and also looking at those areas that you don't uh, either really enjoy or you don't uh, have much knowledge and expertise on. And one of those areas for for me has been the kind of marketing and certainly the branding area of the business. Uh, something we've just gone through as a as a rebrand for the business that was really tough for me to try and understand. Um, you know, and I'm I'm, I'm not, certainly nowhere near an expert now, but definitely know a lot more than I did. But really understanding what the brand of an organization says, what the look of a business says, and uh, trying to look at different kind of organizations now and seeing that very differently between how you would look at a, a really high-end uh, organization. If you look at the the, uh, the automotive industry and you look at a, uh, the positioning of, of a Lamborghini uh, versus uh, a Ford or you know General Motors or whatever else, it's looking at the differences of how they position their business and how they uh, present their business and who you're trying to market it to. So that's probably one of the key uh, the key areas that that was really difficult in the uh, in the beginning to really understand. Uh, but the rest of it's pretty much gone uh, gone very well. Uh, we've built a really strong team. Uh, don't get me wrong; we've had our issues there. You know, I've hired incorrectly and and made those mistakes myself. And um, I think one of the key things is getting rid of people, and, uh, and I mean that in the in the most you know softest probably way I can say. But making calls on people with regards to their careers and and what they're looking to do quickly. Uh, so if you're hiring the wrong people, is as much as as, as individuals are, you know, nine out of 10, 99 out of 100 are all very positive. We all want people to do well as, as hiring managers and leaders. We hire people and we want them to succeed and we put a little bit of our success into that. But if this person is not going to do well and you're not confident in their ability as you go through it, is to make, you know, uh, one of the great 
uh, quotes I heard is actually came from Gary Vaynerchuk, which is hire, uh, hire slowly and fire quickly. And if you're having those kind of conversations with people, which I know is easier to say coming from a recruiter because all we want is new searches and everything else apparently, but it's making those calls on people quickly. And I think that was probably one of the, the hardest parts of, uh, of running a business is you haven't got anybody above you to say, look, this is the reason we're making this change. It's you, you are not succeeding. We have done everything we can here and, you know, holding on to people for far too long and definitely made that mistake once and haven't made it again, thank God, um, with regards to it. But that was probably the the, the biggest learning curve um, amongst all I've just mentioned was that uh, the process of, uh, of, of firing quickly and, uh, and and building out a hiring process to make sure you get the right people in, which we've now, uh, we've now done and uh, hopefully we'll continue to do so. Yeah, it's not easy to, um, using a Jack Welch term, dehire people, but it does make a ton of sense if they're not the right fit for the organization. Doesn't It doesn't mean they're not a, a decent human being. It's just Absolutely. there isn't alignment between your organization and the work that you need them to do. And deep down, they know it because they're struggling and they, they recognize that it's there and it's... Uh, having been on both sides of that fence of of getting fired and having to fire people, um, I, I confidently say it's harder to fire people than to get fired. Um, it, it's it's because right. you, you take into account um, you know what you're doing, but knowing that if they have a skill set, they'll be able to find something. And you know, the majority of people that I've ever let go in my career have gone on to bigger and better things. And I've more often than not given them, you know, a glowing review because they're a decent human being and in the right circumstances and with the right work, they would do well. And they have, and it's, and I don't do it just to do it. It's just a case. It's just a decent thing to do. Um, if it makes sense now, if you know, they were a complete, you know, horrible employee that shouldn't be working at anything that they're applying for, then then that'd be a different story. But thankfully, I didn't make that big of a mistake in hiring somebody. But again, even going back to when you bring on somebody, you know, they might be great for the first year or two, and then all of a sudden things change and they're not. I, I saw that in startups that I worked at where people would be really good for the first couple of years and then basically they would hit a plateau because you know they they maxed out on their skill set and what they could contribute to the organization and the organization needed some new skills in order to continue to grow and you know i was you know part of an organization that you know went from you know zero employees to you know close to 2000 employees over you know, several years, but, you know, there were waves where a big chunk of the organization was like, oh, because they couldn't get the company to the next level. And, you know, as painful as it was, you know, the organization, you know, went from a, a private startup to, you know, a, you know, traded publicly organization. And, you know, that took time and effort and a lot of strategy and it's sometimes it's not fun, but it, it gets you to where you need to get to. And I think it's something that organizations need to continue to review and, and work with, you know, search organizations like yours to, 
to you know figure out okay what do they want to do in the next you know five to ten years and what's their personnel look like now and are they confident that what they have will be able to get them to where they need to go or do they need some additional training or do they need to bring in you know some new key people to to drive the bus home a little bit further yeah absolutely it's um it's a difficult one and uh, i've uh, fortunately not been on the other side of the, of the of the table from a firing perspective or being fired perspective but uh i know from uh, from doing it it's uh it's it doesn't get any easier either to be fair um but uh it's not a not a nice process for for somebody to have to go through and uh but it's the right thing for them it's the right thing for the business and it's just having that strength in leadership to position in the right way show them that you care as much as you did when you brought them on um and it's just not the right position and some people take it poorly uh, and some people eventually understand and, and come back to you and you know some people you'll unfortunately never speak to again which is a shame but uh you know business is emotion and in any who says they take the emotion out of business is uh, is frankly lying because it's uh, it's impossible. Uh, so it's um, yeah, it's just something that be, the businesses have to do quicker. And certainly in the uh, uh, you know in the private equity world, it happens faster. But equally, these guys can be making decisions on people for a long time, and uh, you you're three you're three years down your your exit process, and you're having to bring in a new chief exec or CFO. Well, you're going to lose six months off that process just by. Uh, um, in inducting and embedding and, and getting that person's uh, feet under the table, and, uh, and therefore you're uh, you're a lot further down the line. So it's making those moves quicker, and especially now the world has turned, we will uh, we'll see a lot more of uh, of that. I think with uh, businesses having to having to produce results, and especially with leverage and debt into businesses, it makes it even more complex. So we're about to see a different world. I think. I completely agree on that. So yeah, one last question uh, before we wrap up and, and all the people that you've worked with as far as you, re- you recruited for organizations, is there some common traits with these individuals that you see time and time again that has allowed them to be successful in these uh, very important private equity organizations? Yeah, there is. Um, and it unfortunately comes down to the, the kind of cliche um, areas. It's not that these people are uh, particularly smarter than anyone else. It's not that they've, uh, you know, that they've got the best degrees. It is, it, it purely comes down, you know, the best people that I speak to usually have a, a significant level of humility, understand what they're good at, understand what their weaknesses are. And um, uh, they tend to be incredibly hard workers. And uh, the uh, the third point is that they they invest in themselves. Is uh, I cannot you know certainly as, as running this business I cannot say how much reading, consuming, and then following that up with action uh, makes such a massive difference. And those are the people that that I see that have the best kind of competencies and it's not the people that have grown a business from 100 million to 200 million um, who've ridden a wave and it was at the right time in the right space and uh, the product sold itself. It's the people that have that uh, learning, that hunger to learn, desire to work uh, and produce and have the humility to know when they're making mistakes, uh, when they're not, where their strengths are. And, uh, and those are the people I see that are the best performers within, within any industry, but in particular the private equity industry because it has such high demands on its individuals to produce what most businesses will take 15, 20, 30 years of or never get, these guys are having to do within three to five years. 
to treble, quadruple, uh, you know, even sometimes more, uh, and increase valuations of businesses significantly uh, to return investment to uh, to the private equity firm and uh, the PE's firm's investors. So those would be my three, which I'm afraid is not the magic bullet, and it's not the one that everyone wants to hear of, and I cannot give you one book that will give you that answer, but um, it's just a combination of those three, and if you apply them all, uh, the intelligence, the, the the experience, and everything else will will snowball, and and you'll be you'll achieve whatever your definition of success is. That's a great response, and I think a lot of times we we try to find that magic bullet and we overcomplicate things. But sometimes, uh, in the simplicity and you know the makeup of an individual, you know, usually utilizing all of their their skills and background and and intelligence um, creates you know the the types of leaders that that we need for every type of organization, but definitely in, in the equity game for sure. So Alex, I've enjoyed our conversation today. Where can people find out more about you and this awesome work that you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So the, probably the best places where most recruiters uh, uh, hide or, uh, or, 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 uh, or hang out is LinkedIn. Um, so it's Alex and then Rawlings, R-A-W-L-I-N-G-S. If you pop that in, uh, you'll see me with a big red circle round in a grade uh, photo and uh, you'll see raw selection, executive search and all about private equity on there. So if you, uh, if anybody wants to find me on there or drop me an email, which is alex.rawlings at raw hyphen selection.com and i'll definitely have that information in the show notes so alex thanks again for your time today appreciate you and, and congratulations again on the success of your business brilliant thank you very much really appreciate it hey it's michael again thank you for listening to the podcast i really appreciate it if you're like many people you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout i know how you feel in 2009 my burnout led to a year of worst case scenarios I do not want that to happen to you. If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get as a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening.